0: Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? then first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she
1: will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. Girls Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today's guest is ESPN's Mina Kimes. Mina talks about her journey from business journalist to sports journalist and everything in between. It is a great episode. So if you like what you hear, and I think you will, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review for a chance to win fangirl merchandise. Just screenshot your review in your Instagram story and tag at fangirl sports network, hashtag get my job pod. Now let's get to the show. All right, guys. So I am here with ESPN's Mina Kimes. I am so excited about this episode. Mina is one of my absolute favorite, not just sports writers, but writers all around. Mina, welcome to get my job. Thanks for having me absolutely. Thank you again for being here. So a lot of people may know this, but a lot of people may not. You started as a business journalist. Can you talk a little bit about that and then how you transitioned into sports?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, I got into business journalism in college through an internship program. I was placed at a Fortune small business magazine. It was not something I was interested in writing about. It wasn't my background. I hadn't studied business or economics, but I kind of fell into it and got hired there out of college. So I ended up working in business for about six years. Uh moved to Fortune magazine, became an investigative reporter, worked at Bloomberg, so I was pretty happy doing that and, and never really thought sports would be a career for me. It was just a passion. But then in 2014, uh, ESPN reached out, ESPN the magazine reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in switching. And yeah, that's, it. It's sort of came to me. It wasn't something I pursued, uh, but you know, when you get the chance to make your passion your job, you, you
1: take it. And since then I've, I've been sports all the way. And do you know what the impetus was for ESPN reaching out, or did they just read your work and loved what they saw?
0: I, I uh, had written a personal essay about football. And then, honestly, most of my tweets were just about football at that point. <laughs> so they kind of knew I was interested in it. Um, but, you know, but at that point, I was already a senior writer at Bloomberg. So um, they knew I was a journalist, just not that I had an interest in writing about sports necessarily.
1: And you are a very big Seattle Seahawks fan, as I know anybody on Twitter who follows you would know. Uh, that started with your dad. Is that correct?
0: Oh, yeah. My my dad is from Seattle, and he was in the military, so we grew up all over. But regardless of where we lived, I was Seattle sports all the way, not just Seahawks, but Mariners, uh, UW, Huskies. Sonics uh, when I was younger. So always been Seattle sports, but football is my dad's favorite sport. So it was inculcated
1: in me from a very young age. So I love seeing the exchange between you and Russell Wilson. (laughs) Um, We'll dive into this. You recently were calling the Rams preseason games, which were so cool. And I have so many questions about that but I love seeing the exchange between you and Russell Wilson. Was that just from a fan perspective? I'm sure you've, you've met him and interviewed him a number of times, but from a fan perspective, was that just really fun? It was very
0: funny and I've never interviewed Russell Wilson, so I don't know. Oh it. really? So there you go. Yeah. So um, it was funny. I assumed when I saw that uh, he was kind of making fun of me from the Rams Jersey, That uh, there's a guy who runs a very popular Twitter account uh, with Seahawks fans who works with Wilson. So I assumed it was his tweet, but he said, no, Russell's doing tweets. <laughs> yeah, I uh,
1: I was surprised to say the least. So how did that come about um, when you were asked to call the Rams preseason games? How did that opportunity come about? Sure.
0: I um, had met the COO of the Rams, Kevin Demoff, a few years ago doing a football analytics panel at the Sports uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston. And we got to know each other a little bit there and it was his idea. The analyst who had been doing color before me was doing it for the Jets in New York and there was an opening and, and he kind of reached out and asked if it was something I'd be interested in.
1: So I want to talk more about it, but I, I want to go back a little. You, you had mentioned obviously ESPN reached out when you were working as a business journalist and then this opportunity came up. One of the things about this podcast is we really want to show people that it's hard work to get to do what you love, um, whether it be in sports or in anything, and that you don't want to pass up opportunities. And so you've now mentioned twice opportunities that have come up that you've taken, you know, you've just jumped at them. And if you could just talk a little bit about that and, and where that was instilled in you and, and how important that is.
0: It's a, it's something I've only kind of learned to do with age, I suppose. You know, I, I have moved around in my career a few times and taken opportunities that were not things I've always aspired to, or dreamed of, or felt prepared to. But I've never felt comfortable doing that. It's always been very agonizing. But until, I suppose, recently, I, as I've done more things and kind of advanced in my career, it's gotten easier for me to say yes to things that I don't feel entirely prepared for. But that's only a fairly recent phenomenon for me. It was very hard, even in making the move into sports, was very scary for me just because, you know, I, I'd already spent several years working in one field and had built up some experience and credibility as a business journalist and felt like I was kind of making a big leap into the unknown when I went to work at ESPN. Uh, and this was before I was doing TV or radio, I was just writing, which was already what I was doing, but in a different field altogether. And it was terrifying at first. So, what what helped you to
1: overcome that fear
0: um you know i am pretty competitive and i think at some point that instinct kind of kicks in the idea of well why can't i do this and perhaps, and i can i should be able to do it better than you know i am imagining or maybe better than other people or i i think i have a lot of self doubt but i also have that instinct to always want to prove not only other people wrong, but also myself wrong. And at some point that overrides that doubt.
1: Fantastic. So what was the biggest change? And maybe there are a number of changes um, and maybe it feels like an obvious question, but what was the biggest change from business to sports? Where did you have to adjust the most in your writing?
0: Uh, You know, the biggest change was, um, I think, sort of the ins and outs, the institutional knowledge um, because at the end of the day reporting is reporting picking up the phone making calls doing research all of the processes and tools are similar although in sports you have to have sort of a command of a different set of information you're no longer looking at financial documents you're looking at statistics but by and large the tools are the same but there's a lot of things sort of I had to learn on the job things as simple as okay what are the availabilities with athletes how do I get access to coaches what does that look like what is what are reasonable expectations? And, and I think um, those are things that I was, you know, a little embarrassed by at first because I had built up a career in knowing how to do, knowing how to operate in the business world. I had no idea how to kind of, even though I knew how to write stories and report them, I didn't know how to move around in the
1: sports world and it took me a while to get used to it. And so with the Rams, once you decided to take that opportunity, what is really the first thing you did to start prepping and how did you prepare for each game?
0: Well, I, I read a lot about the Rams. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I well, first thing I did was I went back and watched their preseason broadcasts from last year to really just see how the not to learn about the necessarily the team itself, although it's a lot of the same players and and it's not starters in the preseason, but also um, to learn about the ins and outs of a three man broadcast and how often people were talking and what kind of things they were talking about and what my role might be. And then um, week to week, it was a lot of time studying the Rams roster, the 90 man. And, you know, again, it's not starters for the most part, but also thinking about the team and how those players and their stories and their prospects of making the team and the ways in which they were used might fit into the broader strategy uh, for the regular season. We got a chance to go to practices and chat a bit with coaches, and that was helpful as well, just to gather pieces of information that would be useful during the broadcast. And then I, um, you know, would just spend days kind of putting all the information together and putting my cards together, which are, you know, your depth charts that have information about the players and thinking through um, what sort of themes and topics I wanted to get into. Also, by the way, I should add, it wasn't just the Rams week to week. I was also looking at the other team's rosters. Uh, And again, being the preseason, uh, it's mostly not starters. So that adds sort of an an extra degree of unfamiliarity to every game.
1: What was the most nerve wracking part?
0: I think um, the mechanics of doing it, because I I assume going into it, we would have sort of practice (laughs) and there was not practice. (laughs) You just kind of thrown into it. So, you know, it's not even uh, the subject matter or I guess, describing the in-game action. It's just knowing when to talk and how long to talk. Um, Because I do studio stuff at ESPN for the most part, which is very different mechanically. And what was the most rewarding part? I would say just the adrenaline of doing a game live is so different from everything I've done at ESPN. It's different from sports radio, from the studio shows, from podcasts. And it's a really cool experience and it's really exciting and you feel maybe more connected to the game than you would otherwise. So I I, I am a person, I, I always really enjoy the process of learning and feeling like I'm getting better at something. And it was great from that perspective. I really enjoyed the feeling that I, with every, you know, game, I felt like I understood how to do it a little bit better. Is it something that you want to do more of? I think So yeah, I I don't know if I would say it's my calling or that I'm, I certainly am not excellent at it at this point by any means, but I enjoy doing it so much. And honestly, whenever you have that much fun doing something, you want to try it again.
1: Well, that makes sense. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, when you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should, too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy or gal that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. A lot of people I know use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why try Harry's? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with the Harry's Trial Set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, 5 blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave. Rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. To date, what would you say your favorite interview has been? And that doesn't mean you have to say that you liked this person better than another person, but maybe what your favorite interview has been and really why that is.
0: I had a great time a few years ago during a story on Michael and Martellus Bennett, just because it was so incredibly entertaining. Um, You know, some stories, (laughs) especially with athletes who are more reticent, your brain's kind of working in overdrive, trying to think like, okay, how can I get something out of this? What can I get out of it? what topics can I get into? How can I get more time? With them, I not only had a ton of time, but also they were so funny and entertaining, charismatic. I really didn't have to do any work. It was just a matter of like kind of sitting back and and documenting it and being a fly on the wall.
1: What do you do when you're interviewing an athlete and you're you're trying really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get the information out of them? And I think this is helpful for people who are starting out in this industry because some athletes or not just athletes, subjects are super chatty and forthcoming, and some it's like pulling teeth. What are some kind of tricks you have to make people more comfortable or to get the most you can out of people?
0: Hmm. I think you have to figure early on when you're talking to an athlete in particular, I think, or anyone really, you have to be attuned and listening to identify when they are opening up or feeling comfortable. And sometimes that's reading faces and listening to tone You know, I found like a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about themselves, but will brighten when you ask them about someone else in their life or a teammate. And if you're with someone, again, a subject to an athlete or otherwise, and they're not entirely comfortable at first, you have to spend more time or sort of be willing to live in the areas where they are comfortable because you're going to get better information, you know, and it's not just going to be pounding or an area where you're they're never going to be comfortable talking about it. And I think, especially at first anyways, I think, so I think it, the beginning of an interview is so key because not only are you asking questions, trying to get information, but you're also really trying to do the work of figuring out what are the areas where this person
1: is anecdotal and talks freely. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. On those, on that line, I want to talk about Lenny. <laughs> because i am a huge dog person i have two little dogs myself my, myself myself the 49ers fan dogs and um i know he's a part of your podcast so i would just love to talk a little bit about that this is not about really your career but are you a dog person if you obviously you are have you always had dogs um and kind of how have you gotten lenny involved in yeah your work? i
0: got lenny when i was I don't know how old I was It was 2014 So I've had him for five years He was three, so now he's eight And um, He's been really involved in my work I would say because I got him around the time I started working from home So I just Over the last five years Have probably spent more time Around him than any other Animal or human being in the world and so as a result, he's become very integrated <laughs> in my work life because he literally is
1: my only coworker. That's fantastic. And that's the thing about dogs. You really do spend more time with them than anyone else because they're always there. They're not leaving to run errands. They're not going on vacation. They don't have work trips. They're always there. So that's fun. So I had to ask you about that because he's also so adorable. Thank you. Um, oh, you're you're very welcome. Um, and he just, he's such a cutie. Um, so switching gears from Lenny, even though honestly I could talk about Lenny probably for the rest of the day. Um, switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit challenges that you faced, really in your professional journey and in the sports industry. Um, you're thus far, you're probably the only person we've had on this podcast, and granted, the podcast is pretty new, but who didn't you know work in sports really from the get go? Um, so I would just love to know kind of a challenge that you have faced generally in your journey, and then specific to the sports industry. Sure. Generally,
0: career-wise, a challenge for me has been. Gosh, there's so many things I could. um, You can talk about as many as you want. Yeah, no, I, I guess one thing I would single out is I have always felt like everything I do, every little story, every little blurb, and when I started out writing, it was really small things was the most important thing I had ever done. And if it wasn't received well or wasn't edited well, it was the end of the world. So I think, you know, especially as a journalist, when you're working on a lot of platforms, you have to kind of recognize that your effort and passion and sensitivity need to be allocated um, carefully. And I think early on, I had trouble doing that Um, as a sports, getting a sports, I would say from a challenge perspective for me, switching over to doing television and radio and podcasting, that kind of thing. I was just very sensitive at first, sensitive to how I was perceived or criticized or anything like that. And as a result, I, I think I was too afraid of making mistakes and a little bit too cautious and not loose because I was so worried about failure and you can't really, you have to overcome that if you want to be yourself in those platforms.
1: And along those lines, you're very active, obviously, on Twitter. uh, Social media is, of course, a huge part of what we do and, and our world. You're awesome on Twitter. You're funny. And I think you are pretty open. Did you find that you were sensitive there to begin with too? And what advice do you give to people? Because there is so much bullying and so much negativity. And I think we all have to learn to just shine it on. But if you could just talk a little bit about that platform specifically, because it's a tough one in that realm.
0: Yeah. I, I, I guess the important thing I have to, I think I always have to remind myself sometimes is while I, I don't, I think it's a lot easier said than done to say, Hey, just ignore everyone and never expose any of the negativity and what, and whatnot. I, I don't think that's a realistic and B, I actually think it is useful sometimes to shine a light on those things. But I think, it's important to also note that it can consume a lot of your time both emotionally but also just like your actual time Mm -hmm. and you know that's not even just with trolls like I can get dragged into a Twitter argument and there goes my morning and so I've tried to be again going back to kind of that idea of like emotional and allocation Mm -hmm. I think I've tried to remind myself hey you know if I get if I spend time on this that's time that I'm not going to spend reading or studying or watching film or whatever. And, And I think it's really important to keep that in mind.
1: And you said something about, you know, sometimes it is useful to shine a light on it. I mean, I had an experience a few years ago where we were doing a giveaway and I was giving away 49ers tickets and it was 2016. So granted, I understand the team was not all that exciting to watch even with free tickets, but someone on Twitter, a troll suggested that if I gave, I won't say what, but if I gave something else away with those tickets, then maybe somebody would care. And... I don't normally do this, but I retweeted it and shine, you know, sh- shone a light on it. And some people were like, why would you even give that guy the time of day? And other people were like, good for you for showing, you know, those kind of people are out there. And I go back and forth on this a lot. So when you say sometimes it is useful, can you give an example or kind of just talk about your philosophy on that?
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that diligent. For me, my philosophy is if I can make a funny joke, then I'll do it. That's. I mean, that's a great, but that's a great philosophy, I think. Yeah, otherwise I don't. Unless there's like an actual joke to be made, I'm I'm a no.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's a really good philosophy. And it was something that at that time I realized, I was like, yeah, well, I don't need to shine a light on this person. They're a jerk and no one needs to know about it. But that's, I think, a really good rule of thumb. If you can make it funny, then then share it. And you are very funny on Twitter. I have to say, I, I read a lot of your tweets and I'm like, how'd she come up with that so fast? Oh, very Nice of you to say. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. It's true. It's amazing. I'm impressed. Um, (laughs) I think it's amazing. Um, So I have some fun, just some questions about um, sports memories for a little bit, just to switch gears. I want to know your favorite, well, I was going to say Seahawks memory, but maybe it's a general Seattle Seattle sports memory. And then your favorite all-time Seahawk, Mariner, and Sonic. May they rest in peace.
0: Sure. My favorite, um, Seahawks memory, and I'm sorry to say this, is the tip against San Francisco. It's okay. <laughs> <And> then, um, <laughs> uh, you were saying my favorite memory from the other teams as well? or Yeah, yeah, you could do all of them. Well, the Mariners, it's the double. Um, Edgar Martinez is also, to kind of double up and answer that, double up, huh, is my favorite <laughs> Mariner of all time. Uh, he's actually my favorite athlete of all time, which is funny because I, I care more about the Seahawks than the Mariners, but – I give it to him. Uh, My favorite Seahawk of all time is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Favorite Sonic is Sean Kemp's kind of a lame answer, but it's true. Um, Yeah. And I would say my second favorite Seahawk is there are so many over the years
1: that I could point to. I'm a big Cortez Kennedy fan. Okay. And what makes Edgar Martinez your favorite athlete of all time?
0: Well, so a lot of my memories as a child are of watching Mariners baseball, going to the Kingdome with my dad. And, you know, I think for kids, it's easier to understand baseball than football. So I have more vivid kind of memories of knowing what was going on, I suppose. But he, so he was, you know, incredible hitter, um, just all the home runs. And, but he was also just such a, obviously a wonderful person. And as I become an adult, I think I've, I've kind of gathered that more and understood that better. He also just he's, he never left. He he was Seattle from, you know, to his core. And I, I don't, I have no problem with athletes who do leave, but it certainly has endeared him to the hearts of Seattle sports
1: fans. That is, that is totally fair. I always wonder what goes into a favorite athlete. Cause I know my reasons for mine and we all have our different reasons. So I always find it interesting, you know, on who everybody picks and why. So thank you for sharing that. Um, can you think back to a time When you were given a criticism that – and it doesn't even have to be necessarily in your career. It could have been something that happened in school, in college, just in life that was really hard to take but that you feel shaped you for the better.
0: Uh, Hmm.
1: I think
0: criticism. I think um, going back to sort of transitioning to doing more TV and radio – being told that I had, you know, to speak up more and be more confident and get into the mix was something that I felt at first was, I don't know, like something I would never be able to do. But it's it, it was advice that I really took to heart at first, and I it took it, at first it didn't come naturally at all, but over time it's become a lot easier for me and if anything i feel now like irritated when i'm not able to speak up and get involved in the discussion and uh, but I, but it wasn't always easy to hear early on because it didn't come naturally to me
1: and what is uh something that you would say is a common mistake that you see women trying to break into the sports industry do
0: i would say not um focusing on a sport to be honest i mean i i, I don't think that it's impossible if you don't if you're not sports specific or you don't really know a sport really well. And I, you know, listen, there are a lot of men and women, honestly, who, who have successful careers doing that. But I do think it's it's quite a bit easier, especially if you're looking, well, really a writer, a host, an analyst, whatever. I, I found that it's a lot easier if you have kind of a home base of expertise in a sport. I mean, I spend all of my waking hours reading, thinking, watching football. And it helps me immensely, and it's helped my career immensely. Do you have a mentor? Yeah, I have a few. I mean, I would say uh, Eric Rydel, who produces a lot of the shows I'm on, is definitely a mentor of mine. Editors that I've worked with along the way, uh, even from back when I was a business journalist as well, mean a lot to me, too, um, and have been really important to my career.
1: So we have hit the part of the show, which is my favorite. Cause it's five fun facts and anybody who follows me knows I love fun facts. Um, and so we sent these to you ahead of time to get you prepped. Oh, actually, before we get to five fun facts, I did have one other question for you. Um, what's your favorite sports memory with your dad?
0: You know, with my dad, it's actually not a Seattle one. Um, it was, gosh, what year was it? Let me, I'm on my computer. So I want to make sure I get this right because I just told this story it was, a uh, so I grew up, I was born in Nebraska. I think it was the 95 Orange Bowl. Um, so anyways, I was a Nebraska football fan as a kid and it was the Orange Bowl where, yeah, it was 95. I think Tommy Frazier, who was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch growing up. He, let's see, let me make sure I have the year right. Cause I was very young. And um, so he was Nebraska's quarterback at the time. And uh, he had left the game and he was injured. And I remember my dad let me stay up to watch him mount this the second half comeback. And I, I don't know. I remember it very vividly.
1: That's awesome. That's Those are the fun. Those are definitely the fun things. My nephew is a huge sports fan. And so there are a lot of nights where my brother and sister-in-law will let him stay up. Um, to watch an ex-turning Dodgers game or Lakers game, and he loves it. He's a huge football fan. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you would love him. He's a huge football fan, and he helps me with my fantasy football team. He's 10 years old. Um, he does he does a much better job than I can even ever hope to do. Um, all right. So that moves us now to five fun facts. Um, are you ready to go through them? Sure. All right, well, you sort of answered one um but a favorite moment in sports though so you were you did a favorite Seahawks moment and favorite with your dad what is just a favorite sports moment
0: Boy I really enjoyed being at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis where uh Philly uh, beat New England and being in the end zone where Philly Philly the Philly special happened that was great
1: That was that was very cool What is your life motto
0: Oh I don't know if I have
1: one. <laughs> um, gosh, a life motto
0: um i guess I guess it would be to I, it sounds so bad, but to have faith in your own work ethic it's always been something when i've when I've been had trouble making decisions or been nervous about my ability to do things um one of those mentors I mentioned told me, well, You don't know if it's going to work out. You don't know if you're going to be good at it. But all you do know, you're going to work harder than anyone at it. And that's the only thing you have control over. And I try to remember that when I approach big decisions.
1: I think that's a great motto. And I think it's really good life advice because so often we do worry about the things we can't control. How will this person react? How will this be received? at the end of the day, you're right. If you have faith in your own work ethic and know you're going to put everything into it, that's all that matters. And that's all you can control. So worrying about the other stuff is not helpful. So I think that is a fantastic life motto. Do you have a go-to workout?
0: I just run. I have a treadmill, so I just run and listen to podcasts. Oh, so you're not podcasts, podcast, not music. Uh, I do both. It depends,
1: but yeah, just running. Do you do you have a favorite podcast genre? This is a bonus fun fact. This wasn't in there.
0: Sure, that's okay. I, I mostly just listen to sports, honestly. I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts because I have to do general our, – on our shows, you know, I um, we talk about basketball a lot and I'm not – basketball is not my bread and butter, so it helps to listen to smart people talk about it.
1: Well, it's smart. That's a good idea. Do you have a go-to coffee or tea order?
0: Yeah, so um, <laughs> I just drink – uh, plain coffee, but I have a um like a I don't know what the right word is. My taste in coffee is extremely basic. Like I don't like fancy coffee. I don't and I put in like sugar and milk. Like I am not a cool coffee drinker at all.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I like back to basics, you know where it started. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I drink
0: like Folgers at home. My
1: husband thinks it's disgusting. That's really funny. And now, of course, I think the rest of the day, the, the Folgers song is going to be in my head. Mm-hmm. That's part of waking up. Um, and last but not least, what is a book you think every woman should read? It's funny. I don't really read like, um,
0: I guess books about career or anything like that, you know, um, or, or a sort of like nonfiction that might be helpful, um, in, in that, in that way so that it's and then I, I also if, if it's like something for every woman to read I don't want to necessarily lean on um a sports thing so I guess I guess I would want to choose something like a, a work of fiction like a room of one's own a room of one's own yeah. <laughs> is that a weird okay. not at all do you want can you elaborate on why yeah, I mean it's 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 beautifully written. Anyone who's read Virginia Woolf knows, but um, it's something that was kind of influential. I think as for my own life, um, becoming sort of familiar with feminist literature and feminism in general, and um, it stuck with me. I guess.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mina. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun to have you on. Guys, if you like what you heard, which I'm sure you did, make sure to subscribe and leave a review for a chance to win merchandise. Just screenshot your review on your Instagram story. Tag at Fangirl Sports Network, hashtag GetMyJobPod. Nina, it was really a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody.